Mike, here we go. Thank you so much. You downloaded the podcast from Italy on this, the 6th of January, the Epiphany, La Bafana Epiphania. Buona festa. Thank you so much for doing that. Uh, <laughs> we are back. We are back. We're heating up the mics. It is nine, a little bit later than we normally do podcasting, 9.51 in the a.m. It is, we have a wintry mix outside. It is what it should be on the 5th of January. Yes couple of few degrees, maybe two or three degrees, and lightly sleeting. Love it. This morning, more snow than rain. No. Here. Yeah, but nothing sticks, so no. it doesn't count. But I'd like to see it fall. We'll get plenty. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, it's been a couple of months since we've done one of these, which is, I guess that's the... Uh, On is, par. Is that the the rate we're kind of the... I hope not. Yeah, well, <laughs> hi, well, history has said otherwise. So this is true. We do it when we feel like it, I guess. Mm-hmm. But we have a lot to talk about. The holidays are over. Thank goodness. It's the, the we get a repose from eating for a while. Um, I just feel fat. I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> Done eating. Uh, too many. Um, God, pa- he's still bringing over Panettone. Yeah, he's still bringing over boxes of Panettone and Pandoro, and I don't want to. Like I don't want to look at any more um, Panforte, any of that stuff. Done with it. Let's just move on from the <laughs> uh, constant feeding that was the last two weeks or so. Uh, let's jump right into it and. Um, Start off. All right. Well, the last podcast we had talked about um, Thanksgiving and um, some of our latest travels in November. I think it was October and November. And uh, at the end of November, I had left you guys with a teaser that I would talk about Fico, Italy. And I went there in uh, at the end of November in the evening with my best friend. And it was like, well, let's go. Let's check it out. Um, so <laughs> when you enter, it is such a huge parking like entrance where jake can you explain like how it looks like some sort of loading Expos. zone no, oh it's expo. An expo you're center. right you're right thank you and all the trucks and like zones and all of this stuff anyway we get in and because it's after six o'clock it's only five euros to get in so basically fico is a food mall with an entrance fee And I was fine with the entrance fee for two reasons. One is because I thought, okay, well, I want to check it out. At the very least, this is interesting for the podcast, I would hope. And so many guests have asked us about it. So I should go check it out just for the research. Five bucks, fine. And five bucks, there's got to be some good samples involved. And it'll be, this will be great. A little snack as we walk around. And we get in, and everything's closing down because it's so late in the evening. But um, I guess normally there's a lot of demonstrations and workshops and things like that. It didn't see any of that. Um, but more importantly, didn't see a single snack. Not a single sample. There was one little tiny um, plate of like meat and cheeses that had sticks in it like a sample, but then there was a huge sign saying this was not a sample, and this is only if you're part of some food tour. And maybe I'm just a fatty that grew up going to Costco samples for lunch, (laughs) but it was kind of disappointing. Now, it was nice because you could buy like um, a glass of wine or a bottle of wine, of course, too. But glass of wine, you could then walk around with your wine glass and bring it back. But then you also kind of just felt like a alcoholic walking around a mall with a glass of wine. I don't know. It was definitely felt very geared towards kids in like 
just big play structures. If you had kids and especially if it's a rainy day or you wanted to go do some cool food shopping, great place for a family, I would say. In fact, there was multiple birthday parties happening and as we were leaving at 8 30 thinking wow we were here this is late um more kids and parties were arriving so i guess it's a cool place for kids especially with some all the interactive stuff there's a freaking beach volleyball area like some stuff didn't make any sense i don't know what beach volleyball has to do with food um there was a bunch of the educational stuff which like i said was kind of cool but um, I will say one thing is some of the wines and the prices for things when I was actually taking a peek, um, were pretty normal. They did not seem like anything was, um, they it didn't seem like the airport. Uh... No, no, exactly. Um, like I bought Jason a baby, uh, mortadella, like a p- chunk of a, that was made there and all of this and, um, all the stamps and certifications, but it wasn't any better than, no other ones we've gotten in Bologna, to be honest. I mean, I didn't go to this, but you said, I remember you saying this when you got back. It's like if Disney put on what, like the Disneyfication of the Italian food culture. Sure. <laughs> like, like, it's yes. like, a- and like, even with the like cartoony map, there's even a freaking, uh, not only a carousel, but, um, a roller coaster. So it's like, it's just kind of crazy, but there was bikes and like cool, one cool thing, another cool thing for kids. Um, they had tr- little tractors they could drive around and like a little tractor zone. So, I mean, some stuff was kind of cool, but I don't know. For the five bucks and the late entry fee, I would go back again if someone was in town and wanted to check it out. My girlfriend loved it. Um, like, it was just it's well, cheesy it's, enough. And it's all everything in one place. Everything in one place. Yeah. So she could do a ton of shopping for everyone before her flight early in the next morning. Um, but if I was paying full price in the middle of the day, I don't know. The only, What's, what is, what is, I don't what know, is, 16 bucks. Oh, really? Maybe, I think. A no person, kidding. I think so. But wow. I think there's a lot more going on. I don't know. The only other weird thing is when we were leaving, I noticed, um, by the doors, there's all these like chicken, like, so when you went, walk in, there's a bunch of farm animals outside. And then when you come in, there's like a little pen with a bunch of chickens and a little rooster and stuff like that. And it was so bright in there at eight thirty, and I noticed the chickens and stuff walking around, and I thought this has got to be so out of whack for these poor animals. And I just thought it was, I had never really thought about it before, but I guess after doing the farm stuff for so long, it starts to like sink in of the like, wait, this can't be good for them. To and the artificial light, the whole thing, I just felt really bad for the chickens. And then as we were leaving, we realized the same thing for the pigs and the goats and all the animals that you like petting zoo style you see when you walk up. It was like they're under these crazy lights where do they sleep and it's got to be hard this place is still open for another two or three hours but just interesting would i go again like i said yes if someone was in town if it was just me and jason probably not unless he was super bored and really wanted to see it but if you've got kids doing some shop like gift shopping i would i guess i would recommend it but i would give it like a c to be honest all right so there you go we will (laughs) make a note of that in your in your book of... <laughs> you might like it. You, some people might like it. So I would say go check it out. But eh, for five bucks, go for it. Okay. The FICO review gets an eh. Uh-huh. Uh, we'll do a little holiday recap here. Holidays came and went um, with no big fanfare, no real stories. We did our normal making the Capoletti and, and doing all that 
kind of jazz. Um, but Spent it with Gaji and Rosanna. It was really just the four of us. It was quiet. Everyone was freaked out. So it quiet. Just, well, they just the news is blaring and they just yell over. Well, I each mean, other. quiet as in <laughs> as in it was just a quiet. Correct. It's quiet oh, holiday. Um, tiny water cooler note at Christmas. We noticed a lot more lights up this year. Listen, I've talked about it on podcasts for years. I miss driving around and seeing Christmas lights. Now, this is nothing like America by any means, but this was a significant jump from years past of people because having they some get, outdoor more, lights. Because they're, you see them around more. When we first arrived here, remember, we had to like search out Christmas lights. That's true, too. And now, and now there's Amazon and, and there's, all of that exactly. stuff. But it was kind of exciting to drive around in the evening and go, hey, look. They got lights. <laughs> I'm, I'm easily amused, I guess. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so uh, Ashley also got her foot surgery done, which was a, uh, lots of good stories coming out of the hospital for doing that one. Not so much the surgery. That yeah, yeah, fine. the that's, surgery, that's... whatever. That was just kind of its own thing. But um, I thought I took some notes as I was there because it was such an interesting experience <laughs> that I thought it would be perfect to share with you guys. So first, um, it's at Rizzoli, a private hospital in Bologna. And they said, be there at 730. Okay, great. I'm there. It's yep. Rizzoli's not a private hospital. It's oh, a public I'm sorry. Hospital. You just went through the private system. Thank you. And anyway, so be there at seven thirty. So I waited outside um, on the floor I'm supposed to be at. Waited outside the sliding doors, and slowly, no, not too slowly, but a, kind of a medium-sized group started to gather there of other patients getting ready to be checked in, and we're all eagerly waiting or nervously waiting for them to call our name, and it started to feel like it was some sort of flight, like we're all being called in or up for our upgrade, I wish, but because everyone arrives with luggage, <laughs> hilarious so you just see people kind of wheeling in their bags and if I hadn't been to the hospital before either with Jason or when I had a little something removed just a little day um, procedure that wasn't a big deal there is a whole culture to people wearing certain outfits even at the hospital we've talked about this where you have a proper outfit for riding a bike you have a proper outfit for um, working in the garden not just a outfit it is if outfit changes absolutely like like that's this. what i was gonna say so you show up wearing what you know your that's your street clothes <laughs> once you get admitted and you've been taken to your room then you change into your like comfort relax pre-surgery clothes then a nurse delivers you a little um like operation packet kind of again back like you're on a flight like your little like flight bag with your hairnet your um whatever it may be and your gown and all of that some little paper undies and then in the next morning when they are coming through then it's time to put on your post-surgery outfit so maybe one that's more comfortable or loose or depending on what you're in for now i like i said i thought i was prepared and i was like Boom, I'm going shopping for PJs beforehand and things that I can, uh, <laughs> like, get my foot through and all of this. Okay, I had brought one outfit. I didn't want to bring a big bag. I don't know. I had brought one thing to change into. It's, it's you're not there 24 hours. Well, well, yeah, I spent yeah, the night. No, I know, but I was there 24 hours. Okay, you're there 24 hours. How many outfit changes? Exactly, do you need? exactly. <laughs> so, um, 
well, I was wrong. Where was my bathrobe? Everyone else had bathrobes to put on top of. I guess I was did underdressed. They, did they match their PJs? Of course they did. That's they- what I noticed when I went and got my lifeguarding license, that everyone's Speedo, their banana hammock, matched their swim cap, and it matched their robe. Yes. And everyone had, like, proper slippers. But since I knew I was doing a foot thing, I didn't want to bring, like slipper shoes to like walk around i don't know i did bring some slips but it was just hilarious the the wheeling in of the luggage and the whole outfit changes and all of that um and speaking of so when they're doing my uh initial entrance paperwork and stuff and i'm sitting there with the nurse i keep hearing one of the doctors or other nurses um speaking french to everyone and everyone's replying back and so i'm chatting with the head nurse as she's typing me in and i hear the french again in the back and i kind of smile and i said oh you have a french doctor a french nurse here and she goes what and i look back at, and i kind of nod at the guy behind me and she starts laughing and she goes hey everyone <laughs> she thinks he's french and they all start cracking up and they go he's napolitano <laughs> and then i got the joke but it was like napolitani how how crazy but he's definitely not french and <laughs> it just was like oh my god and he, then of course he would only speak to me in french like i don't even speak french but then he would only come by and speak to me in french which cracked me up um there was also a lot of questions as i was getting checked in um as i'm the different nurses come to pop in throughout the morning about what kind of food I eat, if I have any food allergies, if there's anything I don't like. Um, and I was thinking, all oh, right, I can't wait to see the menu for lunch or this for dinner, you know, after the surgery. Um, a lot of questions about the food, and I never got anything more than a really crappy cracker pack. And I was like, what the hell was all that food talk? What was all this? She'll be by with the menu. Great. I'm starving. I haven't eaten since last night. Where is this menu? No food. <laughs> so that kind of sucked. Um, I remember I was getting kind of not, you know, start, you start getting nervous. It's starting to get close to the time of the surgery. And I'm realizing, I don't know if it's lost in transition translation. I don't know where's the doctor before my surgery? Who's going to come and chat with me like about exactly what's going to go on? So when the nurse, uh, you know, one of the assistant doctors came in, um, this is a learning hospital. Did he look like a 16 year old? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Mine did. And, um, he comes in and I'm like, so what's going to, uh, you know, what's really going to go on? What's this surgery exactly? Maybe I didn't quite understand. And cause then they did a bunch more x-rays and stuff. So it was like, all right, maybe they have a, you know, now they've got the last minute checks. I can really see what's the plan. And he goes, Oh, he's just going to kind of figure it out when he gets in there. <laughs> I immediately was like, Oh my God. And I don't know if any of you are arrested development fans, but it made me think of Dr. Stein style. Like we're just going to get in there and see what's going on. And it was like, what, who knows what I'm coming out with. Um, it ended up to be like just a bar and some serious hardware that the rod comes out and actually finally tomorrow. But anyway, um, also as he's in there, he's asking me about some ingredients for a medication that I've got. And I go to grab it out of my like little purse bag. And as I'm trying to open it, I swear to God, three or four huge granola bars fall out of my bag. And it just made, I looked like such a fatty. I was already talking about the food. Where the hell is all the food? And now um, my like stash has fallen out. I was just like, Jesus Christ. Um, let's see here. What else? The So I think that I understand a bit of why 
Italians have the shared rooms. And when I left the hospital, I kind of had a like this appreciation for it because I didn't ever understand like why would you want to share a room with anyone? That sounds terrible. But having picked a um, to be one of three, um, I was in the middle and on either side, so I was definitely the youngest. Um, but one of the women next to me had flown in from Sardinia to, because to see this same doctor for a surgery. And so it kind of reassured like, oh, he is really great in all of this. And so we talked about him a bit and her surgery. And then the other woman next to me, um, she was getting her knee replaced and she was the youngest of 16. She was 85 and Tosta and just fantastic. She was the only one along with myself as we were waiting outside the sliding doors who didn't have family with her. And I noticed it when we were out there because I thought, huh, that's so strange. Like everyone else has is either older like her and has a daughter or son who have brought them and then have left. Or it's a mother and son or a couple or whatever it may be. But there's, it was just me and her that were the solos out there. And so I had taken note and it was just interesting that she was my um, roommate, but I realized it's really kind of comforting to be in a room with two others because you kind of share your own stories. You don't get so worked up about the surgery you're going to have or nervous or you find out they're in it for a lot worse than what you've got and to be thankful and um, just to hear people's stories. I don't know. It was kind of nice. I would definitely, if it was something kind of like this again, I would definitely do the shared room. Um, And then I was just trying to think if there was anything else. Oh, (laughs) yes, there was waking up. So I decided to not go for, um, what's it called when they put you to sleep? General anesthesia. General anesthesia and went for local. And okay, that was super weird because later when I was like woke up, you kind of fall asleep a little bit. Um, I don't they sedate you. Yeah, you're they not, sedate you're not, you. You're not totally with it. Exactly. And so I wheel in, and all this is going on, and the lights and stuff. And like I said, it's a learning hospital, a university, so there's a lot of people. And you could notice there was just a lot of people in the room, in a big room. And all of a sudden, I just kind of fall asleep, whatever. And as I'm waking up and not sure what's going on, and you know, there's like weird sensations on your foot, but it was really on my other leg I was feeling stuff. And I was like, what's going on? <laughs> but I wake up. And as you're coming to, it sounded like I was in a chop shop. There was so many profanities <laughs> thrown around the room. Um, give me that goddamn hammer, that thing. I told her to give it to me. So much cursing. I was like, where am I? It was hilarious. And when I told Jason, he was like, I always wondered what it was like. It wasn't like classical music playing in the background. And a, and a, and a peaceful, calm no. environment. <laughs> I was like, what? kind of triage trauma is going on or like i said is this just like the back of a mechanics like somewhere i don't know where they're talking rough <laughs> and a lot of yelling and a lot of yelling and then as i'm getting wheeled out the other two doctors are humming and singing this is in italy the muppets and it just was like what am i on some serious drugs or what is going on here but all in all it was a good experience checked out the next morning and uh, it's been a long not road to recovery it wasn't super painful what, or anything like that you've sat on your butt and puzzled for that's the what last I was say. 30 days been, that's why i said it's not a long road to recovery it's just been boring for 40 days thank god my uh early christmas gift if you will was feeling like i was 86 because we went to the geriatric store and um we got some wheels 
not a scooter I was hoping for, but a knee scooter. And I'm able to fly around the uh, downstairs thinking that I was doing pretty good, but I've destroyed the cabinets and the walls with the edges of my wheels. And it's like, oh my gosh. But little damage. We could handle it. Yeah, we can paint it. Um, so that's Ashley's been kind of stuck on her butt. I, however, since the uh, day one of being coming home. My surgery was December 2nd, so we came home on the 3rd. Yeah. So the beginning of December, I've been going every morning, um, bright and early, I, uh, up to Calicozzo, which is a, at the end of our road. You hang a right, go towards Piobico, and it's literally a minute down the road up into the hill. Any of the guests who have been here, we go and um, work, do some of our truffle hunting holiday with them. We did our butchering holiday this year, our butchery workshop with them. Go ahead. Oh, no. I, I, I just was giving him a point uh, of reference. Um, so I realized that if I would like to have animals, I need to learn how to take care of animals. And I have no idea how to do anything. And you can read a book, but that doesn't really sound like getting experience. Oh, and you've on. watched a lot of YouTube videos. A lot of YouTube videos, um, but that doesn't really <laughs> count. Your hands aren't getting thing. dirty. No. So I, told, I went up and asked. And, Asked Roberto, listen, I just want to come and learn and, and do whatever needs to be done for three months. So every morning, Christmas, New Year's, it doesn't matter. For the next three months, I'm coming. And Because um, it started with you also wanted to learn how to milk a cow. I want, that's really what I wanted to do, milk a cow. And I realize now that that's not going to happen until the cows know me. So <laughs> um, it's, it's great. I'm the first one to arrive. I open the barn. I feed all the animals. I clean all the troughs. I, I give you them. You love it. I love it. I love the, the, there's a poop. Did I talk about this? No, you oh, haven't, they haven't. That's they right. don't know anything about it. So, um, do you want to first introduce the cast of characters? Yes. There's a, there's a, so in the barn is 18 adult, adult female cows, one bull. In the other barn is six more adult cows um and eight 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 veal yeah eight or ten veal um we also have six pigs six big fat or eight big fat adult pigs big old pink pigs yeah big pink pigs there's a bunch of different in another part of uh next to the next to the barn is all the geese and the turkeys and the chickens and the ducks and and all them and then there is my two favorite the donkey and the pot-bellied pig that was cr- that is crossed with a wild boar and her name's pascalina and the donkey is stella and those two are they're my buddies they got tons <laughs> of personality um but i just want to do all the crap work that they the you know the 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 low man on the totem pole stuff and i am doing it what's your favorite part my favorite part of the whole thing is the um poop uh belt belt so in the back of <laughs> in the back of each uh in the back of the barn on each side is this uh pneumatic um um belt it's not a belt okay so at the end of the barn is a motor with a pneumatic arm that piston that pushes uh hydraulic sorry not pneumatic hydraulic piston that pushes out and in and on that pi- on that piston is a giant iron bar with the best thing i can describe it is is like windshield wiper blades and there's a there's a uh, canal down the back part of each side and it's about mm, i would say 80 centimeters wide by uh 25 centimeters deep and you kind of scoop all the poop into the canal and then as this hydraulic piston goes in and out it kind of brings everything towards the poop pit and there's a giant poop pit at the end uh, uh 
a giant poop pit at the end of the barn, and it all plops into the. Oh, is that we, bread? Bread. One Pause. moment, please. All right, that bread looks good. All right. Um, <laughs> so uh, where was I? Oh yeah, poop pit. Um, and so you scrape all the all the manure towards this canal, and uh, you turn this thing on, and it just kind of. Starts moving it down the road. It is hypnotizing. It's my favorite thing in the entire world. Um, how are you so certain about how deep the poop pit is or the canals? <laughs> because um, I, <laughs> it's exactly <laughs> to the very top of my boot. So I, a couple things that I didn't realize working in around animals and in a um, and in a barn is there's things that'll get you that'll get you all over the place like um, just. Farm equipment sticking out, giant animals that you have to kind of. That was Roberto's number one concern of going. He knows we have a business and have all of. He goes, you can't get hurt. You got to, you got to be careful. You can't do get. I'm like, yeah, okay, I understand. I don't want to get hurt either, but I didn't realize how dangerous a barn (laughs) is. Um, I haven't gotten hurt at all. Like nothing's really knock on wood. Knock on wood, but um. (laughs) Uh, so w- when we were cleaning out the big stall, um, you can't the the um, the canal was all filled in, so you couldn't tell where this canal was mm. between the, the the actual level level con- level ground and this canal. And he's like, "Watch the canal, make sure you don't step in the canal." And I'm like, "Okay." You're like, and, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." yeah. <laughs> and I was good for the first like thirty forty minutes, and then. You know, you're kind of trying to get the animals around and you're looking at them and you're not really – I don't know exactly where I am and I step in the canal and the, it goes right <laughs> up to the very top of my boot. Not a centimeter to spare right to the top. It was like, oh, man. Um, other than that, working around the animals is great. They're getting to know me now. They don't have fear. They're, everyone's a lot more tranquil with me. Um, what is it, number 39? Oh, yeah. So the, the capo, capo bronco, the head, the head cow, the, the, the one who's in charge. HBS? Yeah. She likes me. She comes. She butts everyone out of the way when I come in the morning and wants to be the first one. She wants her scratches and everything. Um, the mama that I thought I was going to milk, is that's not going to happen. Anytime she's okay with me rubbing her head and scratching on her back, but anytime I get down towards the leg, she tries to kick and she will now flick her tail and try to flick shit on me mm. all the time um, whenever I get back there. So maybe we'll, we have plenty more cows that are getting ready to give birth, which reminds me, um, I got to do the most incredible thing I've ever done. Um, the vet came and we had. <laughs> I like how this out of everything, not your pilot's license. No, no, no. this was incredible. incredible. Well, it was spontaneous. I wasn't <laughs> yeah. expecting to do it. So the vet came and we had to give um, vaccinations to. We had to give them ivermectin, man. Uh, we had to give the um, give the cows the dewormer ivermectin and also check to see who was pregnant and who wasn't. So the vet. Now I'm sure in the first world they would probably bring an ultrasound machine or something. But here in the here out here, you do it the old school way. In the Canaliano Valley. So the vet comes and he suits up in this giant, you know, in a clear plastic suit with a glove that goes all the way up to his shoulder. And he gets on his tiptoes and you stick your hand into the cow and all the way down and kind of lean forward. And with the, with the, with your hand, you kind of start pushing down and you can tell how, if the cow is pregnant and how far along with the tips of your fingers, with the tips of your fingers. So I watch him do, you know, he's talk, he's 
doing it and we're talking and he's asking me a bunch of questions because he you know i'm really int- kind of checking things out well, i'm sure most other people like they're used to it he just comes does his job yeah. and you're like hey and because i'm holding the um i'm holding the um pallet you put a pallet behind their legs so if they decide to kick or flick their tail or whatever then then you don't get kicked so that's my job so i'm watching him do the whole thing and then the last last one he goes you want to do it and i go what he goes do you want to try to feel and this was one of this is the one of the calmest cows so I go, okay, yeah, sure. So he goes, all right, go to the car and get one of the gloves. And I put the glove on, and he's like, okay. <laughs> the um, so excited. <laughs> so he says, okay, you pull the tail up and hold it to the side. And the worst part of the whole, and I don't want to get graphic, but the worst part of the whole thing was kind of like digging away the manure to get to where you need to get to. It's like you kind of have to like Scooping. scoop it. <laughs> and then you just kind of put your hand in and you really have to like push i was very surprised how you have to like really put your weight into it and get up on your tiptoes and go all the way to your shoulder and then when you push down i didn't feel anything and he's like he's like you don't feel the calf i'm like i i don't know i don't i don't (laughs) uh, i don't know yeah 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 sure six months sure um So I'm like, uh, no, I don't feel anything. He's like, okay, okay. But um, a very unique experience. So, um, Well, this has been full of unique experiences. We brought, you brought oh, yeah. a little so, something home. Um, a week before Christmas, I showed up and there was a lamb who just was like in the process of coming out of the, sh- the mama sheep. There were two lambs born the day before to another sheep. And uh, today I just happened to pull up first one and and I literally watched it plop out. And uh, I didn't really know what to do, but the mama seemed to turn around and start licking the the lamb. So, and I knew Roberto was going to be there within (laughs) a half hour, 45 Uh, minutes. Oh my God. (laughs) So, you know, nature will kind of work itself out. Um, the, the lambs turned out to not be, not do so well. The mama was a new mom. She was young. The one that had the two, the older, the older sheep that had the two lambs, she was fine. She was nursing. The lambs were doing their job. Uh, the other one, she, she wasn't nursing. She wasn't letting her nurse. The lamb was weak. Um, one thing that I learned to get a lamb to start nursing on the mom is you kind of hold the mom there and, I thought, oh, you, you know, you lift up the baby lamb head to the teat. And the... No, no, you position the mom over it, and you just start blasting the lamb in the <laughs> face with the milk. And sure enough, this lamb, like, woke up out of it. It was like, Rah! and went up and started nursing. But it didn't really work. So the mama, was, the, the mama sheep wasn't really taken to her. So sh- the lamb would try to go to the other sheep that had the two two lambs which will work they'll take them but she's last in line so there wasn't enough milk so after a while um she started having uh after intest- a week after a week she started having intestinal problems and diarrhea and and um uh roberto's like oh i don't know let's move her into the thing into the barn and and uh he's like i don't ha- have time to, to bottle feed this lamb you know every two and a half hours and i'm like well what about the vet you know you call out the vet what do you do and here's the economics of farming um here's the reality of farming i should say um a lamb will get you or a lamb when slaughtered will is worth about 160 euros once it's you know slaughtered the whole thing you got to take all the money out of you know taking it to get slaughtered the the feed the time blah 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 to call the vet out is 100 euros 
So the economics of it is that these are not pets. These are farm animals. And if she lives, she lives. She dies, she dies kind of thing. Um, so I said, well, I'll take her. I'll, you know, I'll, we'll, take, her. I'll take her. We'll bottle feed her. You know, we'll bottle feed her. You're like, Ashley's um, at home. Doing- <laughs> uh, yeah, Ashley's at home doing nothing. It's not that big of a deal. We'll put her in a uh, laundry basket with some hay. She's not really moving around that much. And we'll see what happens. And he's like, all right. But... <laughs> In my experience, this doesn't go well. So just so you know that if she does, you know, this is not the, 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 um, st- the reality odds is the her. odds are against her. And I said, okay, I understand. Well, we brought her home and I went out and got the uh, – oh, First of all, Jason, before he goes out and does any shopping, like we've got her for the first 24 hours and it's starting to seem like things are – She um, was eating. She, she was, was eating. eating. We she were taking little- cow's milk because we didn't have the special um, – we didn't have the special milk you're supposed to get for um, the formula, yeah. if you will, which needed to be ordered. And Jason's like, you know, we cannot get too attached. Uh, this animal might not survive, blah, blah, blah. And I just don't want you to get <laughs> attached. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I got it. I got it. And <laughs> Jason jumps up. <laughs> that night I'm giving that you kisses night on the head. He's giving you kisses on the head. And I said, you know, if she's doing well, then maybe she only has to be here for a few weeks a month. And then um, she can join the herd again. And he goes, that lamb is with us for the rest of our lives. <laughs> it's like, that lamb is mine. She's going to follow me everywhere. And I was like, oh my God. Like 12 hours later, <laughs> he's just like fallen in love. So it turns out the first 24 hours she did okay. And then she just kind of, the, the intestinal problem came back. We got her the good formula. She was having the problems when drinking reg- like milk from the, from the sheep. So if the formula is harder to digest, um, and then she just really quickly went downhill and she died on like one o'clock in the morning on New- on Christmas, Christmas day, <laughs> on Christmas morning. It was like, Oh my God, that sucks. It did suck. And it was a reminder that these aren't pets. It's- we, ha- we didn't even have our full 48 no, hours. I think if we had her two or three more days, that w- I would have been crushed. But mm-hmm. as it turned out, it was a... Gentle reminder that what this is, it's mm-hmm. not, it's, we're not running an animal sanctuary. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a um, business that you have to turn a profit for. And but it was nice to know that we tried. We and tried. And you take care of them the best you can, but there's a reality to it. So how much formula do you have left? <laughs> so I thought, well, this lamb is going to be here until she becomes sheep. So <laughs> um, I bought three kilos of this powdered formula for cow uh, uh, nursing cow any kind of ruminants and um that's a lot because it took uh, she ate 50 grams of it <laughs> we have done. i have a ton of this stuff oh my god so well we're prepared for the next one you bring home yeah um roberto said it happens once or twice a year so there'll be another chance probably mm-hmm. um but, but this is, I mean, you've been doing this since the beginning of December and there's already been, I mean, it's just been such a huge experience. I, I can't imagine anyone who would think this would be a bad thing. Oh, oh. except the Godster. The Godster, <laughs> he doesn't think it's a bad thing. He thinks it's a, what are you uh, getting paid? I'm like, what do you mean? What am I getting paid? Nothing. I'm doing it because I'm not worth anything. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm, I'm shoveling poop and learning how to do it. And he goes, oh, do you know that it is? He walked in one morning <laughs> after Jason doing this about a week, and she's just like so excited every morning to go 
Godfrey's a little butthurt because Jason's not here for his morning coffee with him like he used to be, so he's stuck with me in the mornings. But so Godfrey, without a word, comes in, or I should say his first words out of his mouth. He goes, 1,016 kilometers. I go, what? He goes, 1,016 kilometers. That is the amount of distance you will travel in 90 days going to, going to <laughs> and back from the farm every morning. I go, yeah, what's your point? He goes, well, the, the uh, panda only gets 10 kilometers to the leader. So you're talking about over 100 liters of fuel. <laughs> He's done the whole map. I go, what? <laughs> he goes, yeah. Are you getting compensated for that? I go, no. You go, know I'm not. You know I'm not. What is your deal? He goes, you're just wasting your time. You should, I, and your money. And your money. I go, what do you mean I'm getting knowledge? I'm learning how to be around animals. Arrgh! I tried to tell him, if anything, this is saving us money because at least we're not going to bite off more than we can chew. Oh, it has saved us money. A now, ton. In the sense <laughs> that now I understand what they need or what, like, we always build things like a bunker, like the chicken coop's a bunker. And now... Your little storage shed is a bunker. It's a bunker. Um, and we were planning to do a little pig stall for two which pigs. Which would have been a bunker. <laughs> How big were you? Remember we were, went down and measured it out? You wanted it... Four meters First wide. First you wanted it eight. Eight and I was like, eight. I think we can... Four by six is what we... Uh, huge. Huge for Massive. two pins. Not, And this isn't... It's not like we're going to pen them in there. They're going to have... Ha- I'm going to divide the garden <laughs> in half. They're going to have a huge... Like huge, half an acre. Half an acre to run around. I'm going to plant different crops so they can run in. For two eat. pigs. For two pigs. So... Um, you, but yet you, now you've learned all they need is like a lean-to. They need very simple <laughs> shelter. It's not... They don't need a lot. They're oh pigs. Um they so, live outside. Exactly. You have, this has saved us money for sure. Uh, it has. And most of all, it taught me how to act around the animals. You have to have, you can't, um, not like a kitchen where you kind of are uh, getting places, you're quick with your movements, and you kind of, you have to be um, very smooth when you walk around animals because any sudden movements freaks them out. So I learned that. I also learned how to. Um, be in the stall with a animal that weighs 500 like these this cow weighs 500 kilos she can crush me if she wanted to so in many different ways yeah so when i'm cleaning the stall how do you kind of act around them and you and it's invaluable you can't learn it from a book you have to just do it i think i gave myself a little e coli already uh <laughs> i just had a horrible stomach thing for like 12 hours was it even 12 hours six no, hours yeah. I think uh, somehow brought I'm, a little home. I'm on you. sure I ate a little bit of manure somehow. Um, oh, it got in my mouth! It got in my mouth! Oh, you got me! You got me! You got me! That's the only thing I could think of because it was just it was just stomach. Like there mm-hmm. was no fever, there was no nothing. So. No, but you're loving it. I, I do like it. Um, You've learned how to also butcher cows. You knew how to have already. Um, you've been around butchering pigs for a while now. I'm pretty decent with that wouldn't you say yes but not butchering the cows so uh-huh. um roberto he raises the cows and then he slaughters well he has sends them to the slaughterhouse they bring them back and then we butcher them so it's helping him take down a half like it's so it's it p- cows are a lot more labor like just lugging like strength needed than a pig mm-hmm. a pig uh, half of a pig is heavy but you can kind of muscle it around. A half of a cow is no joke. And he does not have 
the like rail and the ceiling, mechanism. the mechanism, the modern mechanisms that you would have. No, 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 none of that. You got like we're doing it old school. We are doing it old school. So hauling it on your back. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, and in fact, you're going up this afternoon, huh? Yeah, he uh, t- he asked me to come back in the afternoon to check on everyone. So more responsibility. I'm getting more responsibilities. Woo! I like it. I'm earning my keep. Very, very good. Oh, I'm going to have to add that into the mileage and gas. <laughs> it's an extra, I know it's an extra trip. <laughs> well, we should wrap it up. You've got this uh, f- fresh baked bread that's smelling oh so good. The, uh, what's coming up? Uh, these, coming up, I have no idea. There's not a lot going on. These are the two slowest, quietest months in Italy. If you, if, you're in, if you think you love Italy, come to Italy in January or February, and that'll tell you if you really it's love It's true. It. It's one of our biggest tips for people who want to move to Italy. And, oh, my God, I love Italy. And I want to move here. What should we do? Blah, blah, blah. We give them lots of advice. And then one of the big ones is visit during February. January, January February. February. Because it's quiet. There's a not a, everyone's done eating. Not a lot going on. Just kind of gray. There, I mean, there's February, you'll get some nice days and stuff, but just it's colder weather. Hopefully, we'll get some snow. We'll see. But. All right. I will uh, lie to you and tell you we will be back next week with an all new podcast. Who knows? No, that's a lot. We'll talk to you when we talk to you. Have a great time. <laughs> Hope ciao, you're ciao. Doing well.